Hello everyone and welcome to Trinity, wherever you may be joining us from. Uh, we're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs and uh, today we're looking at the subject of work. So I'm going to pray, ask God to help us and uh, let's dive in. Father God, we thank you so much for being a kind God and speaking to us and also showing us how the world works best, uh, giving us insight into how to skillfully live in your world. And I pray that as we read some of these things, you would give us um, courage and honesty, integrity to see where we need to change and the ability to change. Um, most of all, we pray, Father, that we would live lives um, that fear you, that revere and worship you. Uh, as we read, that is the beginning of all wisdom. Uh, this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, some of you may know I've uh, been getting into woodworking the last couple of years and uh, on the screen is a picture of, a, of a, a tool that is often used in woodworking. It's called a hand plane and um, it's a use for flattening or smoothing out wood. And, and I, I, I wanted you to see it and I want us to think about it because I, I, I wanted to remind us of something that Ed said last week in his sermon. It really stuck with me. Um, you see, this tool, the hand plane, works really well if you're going in the direction of the grain of the wood, right? So wood is almost like a bunch of straws, if you like. So if, if, if you're planing with the grain, then you, it's smooth and flat. It works really well. If you're planing against the grain, imagine sort of cutting against a bunch of straws, then uh, it tears the wood and the results are not very good. And what Ed was saying last week is that there is a grain, there is a direction to God's universe. Life in God's world is designed to be lived in a certain way, in a certain direction. And someone who is wise will live in that direction. A wise life goes with the grain of God's universe, God's world. A foolish life goes against the grain of God's world. And what Proverbs shows us is, is what it is like and what the results are in various areas of our lives, in our speech, in our work, in our sexuality, in our money, in our feelings, all of those things, when we live with the grain of God's world, and in contrast, because that's how Proverbs works, in contrast, when we live uh, against the grain of God's world, how it tears at our lives, much like the plane tears at the wood. As we saw last week, the first thing we have to get right if we're going to live rightly in God's world is God himself the maker of that world. It makes sense, doesn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We have to know God as our creator, as our sustainer, as our king, as our redeemer, and we have to know ourselves as his creation and then live accordingly. And the writer is saying, if you don't get God right, you're living against the grain of the world already. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're going to see what it is to live with the grain of God's world when it comes to the subject of work. What is wise working? Uh, what is foolish working, for that matter? Um, and why is this important? So, so why is it important to look at work? Well, lots of reasons, not least of which because you spend nearly 60, well, we all spend 60 to 70% of our lives at work. Um, you may f think it feels like more, but... It, they reckon 60 to 70% of our lives are spent at work. You, you also might be thinking, well, look, honestly, work is the last thing I want to be thinking about on a Sunday morning. And perhaps that's a good reason to, to be looking at work as well. 
because we generally have a negative view of it. Uh, it's, it's kind of seen as a means to an end. It's what I have to do to survive, what I have to get through in order to, to reach the weekend. Well, the first thing we need to establish, uh, which something that is very clear in the Bible, and it may surprise you, is that work is good. Work is good. It's tempting to think of work as a result of the fall, isn't it? It can certainly feel like that on a Monday morning. But work was present in God's creation before the fall. In fact, the need for humanity to work was built in to God's creation. Look at these verses from Genesis 2. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. So do you see there? In order for there to be shrubs and plants, there needed to be someone to look after it. Built into creation was the need for man to work. And of course, when mankind did that, they would just be copying God because God was the original worker. In Genesis, we see him making new things out of nothing as he creates the sky, the animals, the planets, the, the people and everything. We see him setting processes in motion, right? The need for rain to fall, for plants to grow. Uh, we see him bringing order out of chaos, separating the land uh, from the sea and the sky, from the earth and the night, from the day and everything like that. It's creating order. God is working. And at the end of each day, we see him sitting back, so to speak, um, and delighting in his work. Remember that repeated phrase, God saw what he had made and it was good. It was good. It was very good. So God was the original worker and then he makes mankind as a, a sort of co-worker with him so that, it, so that the world they live in, the world they're given or put in, becomes a fruitful world for all mankind to live in. Um, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Why? to work it and take care of it. So, so work is good for two reasons, right? It's good for the world. The world needs human work in order for it to flourish and be what it was meant to be, a, world, a good world to live in that, that gives glory to the Creator. Uh, so it's good for the world and it's good for humans, right? We need work also to flourish, to be what we were meant to be, co-workers with God. Um, that's why work is such a, a humanizing thing. Just in itself, it brings dignity because when we work, we're being like God and we're being what he made us to be. Why, why is it such a hack then? <laughs> why, is it, why is it so frustrating and disappointing? Well, because sin then entered the world and like ink in a glass of water, uh, spread into everything, including work. So that now it's frustrating and difficult uh, and, um, and, and done in sinful ways and for sinful reasons. But this doesn't destroy its goodness. Uh, we experience work in a different way, but it's still good. So work is good. And what Proverbs tells us is that there's a wise way to approach work that goes with the grain of God's world, and there's a foolish way to approach work that goes against the grain of God's world. And we're going to look at both. The first, firstly, though, uh, the foolish way, laziness, the foolish approach that doesn't work. The foolish approach that doesn't work. And just two reminders about Proverbs, uh, if you remember. Proverbs are guidelines of what generally happens, not guarantees of what will happen. 
Um, not, not, so it's not if you do this, then this will definitely happen. It's, oh, look. Look at people in the world. When they do this, this generally happens. So, so guidelines, not guarantees. Secondly, it's good to remember not, not one, sorry, no one isolated proverb says it all. You have to look at them all together. As one writer says, if you want to master proverbs, uh, it's like weaving a garment of wisdom from the whole collection. Pulling this one, putting this proverb in and that one in and helping, you know, getting this one to help us understand that one and so on. And you weave, he says, a garment of wisdom for you to wear, like a jersey of wisdom that you wear. Now with that in mind, let's look at, at chapter 26. Look at cha- chapter 26, verse 13. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A sluggard is wise in his, wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. So the sluggard or the lazy person is a character that comes up quite often in Proverbs, um, somewhat comical often, but ultimately tragic. Um, and here, in this case, he doesn't want to go to work. Okay? He doesn't want to go out. He doesn't want to go to the shop. He doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to stay at home in his bed. But he knows that people will criticize him if he does that. So he comes up with excuses not to go outside and work. Verse 13, there's a lion in the road. There's you know, a fierce lion roaming in the streets. Now, unless he lives in Kruger Park, it's a pretty far-fetched kind of excuse, isn't it? But, but what's happened is laziness has turned him into a skilled rationalizer. Uh, laziness has deceived his mind. His mind is meant to serve his productivity, but here it's justifying his lack of productivity. And if you jump to verse 16, it's possible that he believes what he's saying, right? He's, he is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Seven people who say, don't be ridiculous, there's no lion in the street. See, verse 13 and verse 16 here are what he thinks. Verse 14 and 15 are what he does. So verse 14 his only action, really, he says, is turning on his bed. Right? He's moving, but not going anywhere. Like a door is, is moving, but it's, it's not going anywhere. Perhaps when he turns on his bed, he sounds like a door squeaking on its hinges. You know, is that the door? Is that someone getting back from work? Or is that someone leaving the house for work? No, it's just him turning on his bed. He's immovable and unproductive. But even a sluggard needs food, right? Which seems, uh, it seems he has access to. Verse 15 is a whole dish, right? Whole bowl full. And I think the picture is, is of a hand sort of buried deep in a bowl of, of beans or rice or chips in our case, maybe. He's done a deep dive and then he just, you know, he can't muster the energy to, to pull it up back to his mouth. My mum used to quote this one to me uh, when I was younger. And if I used to say to her, Mom, is there anything to eat? She would say, yep, help yourself. And I'd be like, Ugh. you know, and she would say, well, foolish is the man too, too lazy to feed his own mouth. <laughs> it sounds comical, doesn't it? But, but there is actually a serious point, isn't there? Laziness, I think the point is, laziness leads to self-destruction. Um, he has access to food, but he's going to starve because he's too lazy to feed himself. He's a fool. Although he doesn't see it that way, right? He's wiser in his own eyes than anyone else. So, so what's the big picture here? I think it's showing us the danger 
of desiring a life of ease and comfort, the cosy bed, um, Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, food if you don't have to go out and get it. And that love of ease can affect the mind, the writer says. You can become a skilled rationalizer. There are lions in the streets. You know, I'll start a bit later today. Um, I worked hard yesterday. I deserve a bit of a rest. Uh, there, aren't, there aren't jobs out there anyway, so I won't bother trying. Or oh, looks like rain. Um, or I've got a bit of a sniff, so I need to stay indoors anyway. It's, it's that sort of alternate reality in our mind. Uh, and, and we become uncorrectable by wise people, and that can lead to self-destruction. That's the life of the sluggard. It leads to self-destruction. In fact, the proverb says quite a lot about what it leads to. Um, look at this proverb, 24 verse 30. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. So in a farming culture, it's probably easier to see uh, laziness in action or in inaction and, and hard work in action, isn't it, than, than anyone else. In, in this case, he had, he had a working vineyard but thorns and weeds had grown everywhere. He'd forgotten that built into God's creation was the need for, for mankind to work it. I applied my, verse 32, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. There's the rationalizing again, isn't it? Oh, just a quick nap, just a quick episode, um, just a quick check on the socials. And he says, poverty and scarcity comes on you in a flash. Um, it's not immediate. You know, it took a while for the thorns and the weeds to grow. But a life characterized by, uh, by laziness will suffer. And when everyone else is bringing in the crops, you've got nothing. Uh, because that's the way the world works. It doesn't stop him looking for crops, though. Uh, 20 verse 4 sluggards do not plow in season so at harvest time they look but find nothing you know again it's slightly com comical isn't it it's a it's sort of guy getting up of his bed saying right I suppose we ought to go and see what the harvest is doing and they go out to the fields and look and oh there's nothing oh that's right we didn't plant anything <laughs> in other words laziness doesn't think about the future it just, just thinks about the here and now. Sleep, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, a little bit of folding of the hands for rest, here and now. A and that makes life hard for him. Remember, he's going against the grain of God's, of God's world. Verse uh, 19, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Everything's harder if you do nothing. There are thorns everywhere if you do nothing to clear them. And it's not just damaging to himself, it's damaging to his employers. Did you notice verse, uh, verse 26? Uh, I think it's chapter 19. As, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so are sluggards to those who send them. In other words, their employers. So he's a sluggard with a job. All right. So you can be lazy at work. And when you are, you don't add value or serve your employer in any way. You, you, you bring discomfort to your employer. Presumably your colleagues as well if you're not pulling your weight. Uh, and if you're an em employee yourself, perhaps you've experienced that kind of smoke-in-the-eye irritation of, a, of a, an employer that doesn't work. But not just employer, it spreads into the family as well. 
10 verse 5, he who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So in this culture, at least, laziness doesn't just bring more work for the rest of the family, it brings disgrace, because there's something wrong about sleeping when there's family work to do. It's selfish, and, and it's going against the grain of God's world. Okay, what is the picture of the sluggard we've built up so far? It, it's someone who's only thinking about the here and now, um, and is trying to choose a life of ease and comfort instead of a life of work. He, and he thinks he's completely justified in doing this. He rationalizes his laziness in his own mind. There are lions outside, so a little bit of sleep and slumber is probably the right thing to do now. Can't even muster the energy to feed himself. After a while, this brings destruction on him, uh, irritation to his employers, disgrace to his family, and just a really difficult life. And, and I want to add this one proverb onto the end as well. Ironically, <coughs> laziness leads to unpleasant work. 12 verse 24 says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. So what, what Proverbs seems to be saying is that at some point, the sluggard ends up falling into line with reality and is forced to work. And because he's been avoiding it, not pursuing it, not upskilling himself for some particular work or searching for a job he might enjoy, that he's he now ends up in a, in a forced labor that he hates. Possibly a word, isn't it, to those of us who may be young? Um, I think it's saying take the initiative to find, to train yourself or to upskill yourself for a job that you love or you think you will love, otherwise you might end up in a different place. Now, you might say, and you'd be right to say, look, that's easy to say, but unemployment among young people at the moment in South Africa is, is nearly 75% I read. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I read the other day. Okay, so let's think about what this um, picture of the sluggard is not saying. Okay, this is talking about someone who could work. The family's harvest is on. He has an employer who sent him on errands, but he chooses not to. He's not looking for work. He's looking for reasons not to work. So this isn't talking, talking about someone who's unemployed, right? Although it could be because looking for work is practically a full-time job in itself, isn't it? You could be looking for a job in a really sluggardly way, making excuses not to fill in forms, not to chase up calls and make applications and just, or just sort of settle into the couch and watch a series because, you know, you don't have a job. Or you could be extremely diligent. You could chase down every lead. You could sow as many applications as you possibly can. Use the extra time that you have to be active in other ways that maybe you don't get paid for. Now, if Proverbs is right, that person will probably be the one who reaps a job. It's also not talking about depression, right? As I understand it, one of the symptoms of, of being depressed is really being unable to get up in the morning and just having no energy to do anything. It's not talking about that at all. That's an illness. This, this is a choice. And there'll be other, you know, more physical reasons that we have no energy to do things. Your thyroid, eating habits, exercise, sleeping patterns, all of that. It's not really talking about that. It's talking about choosing not to work. What does the New Testament add to this? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that when God uh, became a man, became flesh, he had a trade. 
He was a woodworker, right? A carpenter, working with his hands to create things. He lived with the grain of the world he'd made. Literally, he, he worked with the grain of the world he'd made. There's a great bit in the um, program, The Chosen. I don't know if you've watched that. It's a sort of dramatization of some of the, um, the events in Jesus' life on the, um, in the Gospels. And at one point, um, Jesus uh, has made something out of wood and he, he puts it down, he sits back and looks at it and says, it is good. And this is making the point, you know, here's the, here's the God of the universe uh, who's taken a trade and is working. Two Thessalonians, Paul warns people who had stopped working to work so that they can have food to eat. So the New Testament backs up what Proverbs is saying. Work is good. Laziness is the foolish approach that doesn't work. I wonder if you'd consider yourself a hard-working person, would you? Or perhaps there are times when, when actually, honestly, you struggle to work. You'd rather just, just check out, do as little as possible. Is it, is it possible your laziness has affected your mind and you begin to rationalize that away? Laziness, the foolish approach to work. Secondly, labor, the wise approach that does work. Um, labor, it's begins with L, sorry. Um, funnily enough, Proverbs has more to say about laziness than work, but at the end of the book, it paints a picture of the ideal worker, chapter 31. Yeah, and if you, you read verse, chapter 31, verse 10 says, a wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Um, now the word wife there could just be woman, and uh, in Proverbs, wisdom is often described as a woman, as a she. Um, it's really saying if wisdom was a person, she would be like this. Uh, so most people think this passage here is not uh, about a particular sort of overachieving superwoman. Uh, it's, all, it's, it's about describing wisdom. If wisdom was a person, she would work like this. Uh, this is the wise way to work. So, so this passage is speaking to all of us who work, not just, not just wives. Now, what are some of the features here of Lady Wisdom's work? Well, the first one is pretty clear. Hard work, diligence. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands, meaning she's a self-starter, is eager hands, proactively uh, choosing to work hard without anyone over her. Um, unlike the sluggard who turns on his bed all day, verse 15, she gets up while it is still night. She knows what she has planned and she's keen to get it underway. Uh, doing what? Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously, meaning with energy and purpose, not reluctantly like the sluggard. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. On top of that, she has a family to look after and employees to manage. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of of her household, which is probably more like a small business and textile, you know, a small farm or textile business than, than a, you know, just a three-bedroom house, so to speak, and does not eat the bread of idleness. It all sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It all adds up. She's diligent and proactive. And what's the result? Verse 18, she sees that her trade is profitable. Verse 22, she is clothed in fine linen and purple, um, both of which were a sign of wealth. The result of her hard work overseeing various projects, getting up early, 
excuse me, making shrewd investments, developing the property he has, she has the result of all of that is profit, prosperity. The, you see, the sluggard also has a vineyard, remember? But poverty is going to spring on him like a thief. She also has a, has a vineyard. Now, what's the difference? Well, he's sleeping and she's working. Here's the principle, 10 verse 4. Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. That's the way God has set up the world. By working hard, she is going with the grain of God's world. And the results are good. By not working at all, the slug is going against the grain and the results are not good. Now let's remember, these are guidelines of what generally happens, not guarantees of what will happen. Uh, there will be times when rewards for hard work are blunted for various reasons. Um, I mean, there may be lots of reasons in South Africa why um, one hard-working person will be more rewarded than one other hard-working person who works in a similar way. Uh, a privileged background, generational wealth to set something up, some kind of business, uh, corruption. Uh, corruption breaks that link between work and reward, doesn't it? Um, the state of the economy unemployment, as we've said, lots of factors, right? Does this mean the principle of hard work leading to reward is, is obsolete, is not valid? I don't think so. I think over the course of a working life, hard work and diligence still pays off. Employers recognize it, clients recognize it. And when there aren't many, many jobs around, it's the diligent workers who are most likely to keep their jobs and, and probably find new ones faster. And let's also just be clear that what it's not saying, uh, it's not saying that all poverty is because of laziness. Um, again, there are many causes of poverty in South Africa. The point Proverbs is making is that laziness generally leads to poverty. It's not saying poverty is only ever caused by laziness. So wise work is hard work, and that leads to reward. But interesting, interestingly, not just for the person working, the second thing to see is that wise work is beneficial for others. So it does benefit herself, right? Personal profit is okay. Verse 31 says, honor her, which also has a financial meaning to it. In other words, give her a share of what she's done. But her work also benefits, so it benefits herself. It benefits her customers. She is like, verse 14, she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She supplies the merchants with sashes in verse 24. So it benefits her customers. It benefits her family, verse 15. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family. And then when the family do get up, verse 28, her children arise and call her blessed because, you know, there's food and clothes waiting for them. And in verse 15, back there, it's not just for her family. She provides uh, portions for her female servants. So, so her, she also benefits her co-workers and employees and presumably any family they have. Her work also benefits her community. Verse 19, in her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Those are two things used for spinning clothes uh, or fabric. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So, so the picture is of, of you see there's hand in verse 19 and hand in verse 20. The picture is of, of, of her uh, spinning and producing with one hand 
and giving to the poor and needy, being generous with the other hand. Um, it's a great picture of one of God's purposes for work. Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, anyone who has been stealing, i.e. not working, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands. Why? That they may have something to share with those in need. So one of the purposes of work and productivity in God's world is so we can be generous. I wonder, I wonder how often we make that connection. So Lady Wisdom's work spreads a wide benefit of um, blessing to, to herself, her customers, her family, her employees, her, her community around her, the poor and needy. It's going with the grain of God's world, isn't it? There's a, there's a blessing that spreads out because of her hard work. Very much the opposite of the sluggard, isn't it? He, he uh, blew smoke in the eyes of his, um, of his employers. So there was, there was destruction around the sluggard, whereas there's blessing and benefit around the hard worker. Third thing to see is that, is that she looks to the future. This was the problem with the sluggard, wasn't it? He didn't think about the future, so there was no harvest. In verse 16, uh, Lady Wisdom, she considers a field so she thinks about its long-term potential. She's looking to plant a vineyard in this particular field, and, and vineyards don't yield fruit for, for two or three years, I'm told. Um, so she's making decisions now based on future con consequences. Verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She's foreseen cold, uh, cold weather and planned accordingly. And that's why in verse 25, she can laugh at the days to come. She's looked at the future, she's planned accordingly. But Proverbs would remind us, remember we're taking Proverbs from everywhere, plan in humility. 27 verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not, what, you do not know what a day may bring. So you plan in humility. So wise work is diligent, it's hard work. It spreads a wide benefit for others and it plans ahead. You know, it's also honest. Okay, 11 verse 1, the Lord detests dishonest scales or we might say mislabeling a product, misrepresenting its contents, uh, deliberately mis misleading people as to its quality. But accurate weights find favor with him. You know, it may seem that Dishonesty is, a, is an easier way to get ahead. But again, over time, the course of a working life, clients and customers catch on to that, um, that dishonesty and they go elsewhere. Also, God hates dishonesty. So it's against the grain. Wise work is also skillful. 22 verse 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Someone who's really good at what they do will go far. Taking every opportunity to upskill yourself is a wise way to approach work. Be the best you can at what you do. Okay, let's, let's take a step back. Have a look at those features again there. Um, hard work, diligence, uh, benefit for others, looking to the future, honesty, um, skill. Are there, are there any of those features that you feel perhaps you need to, you need to look into, pay attention to? And perhaps there's some lacking there. Let's pull everything together. Picture two workers 
One's a gardener and one's an investment banker. The gardener's a Christian. He worships God as creator and sustainer. He's humbly aware of his sin. He's gone to Jesus for forgiveness. Uh, And the Spirit's uh, spoken to him lately through the book of Proverbs about his work. And uh, he went to work now with, uh, with a vigor, with an energy. He made sure he was the first to volunteer for the worst jobs. He was always on time. He was kind and thoughtful to his co-workers. He didn't take liberties uh, with his breaks. He made sure he had breakfast, was ready to work with energy. He also learned about all the plants and where the best places for them to go were. And after a few years, they were looking for someone to manage a new team. And because of his attitude, uh, he, was the obvious, he was the obvious choice. He took the job. Uh, and immediately went to uh, a businessman at church to ask advice for how to, um, how to manage people. And uh, his team ended up being the most productive and the happiest team in the company. A few years later, he got chatting to a client who was, uh, whose garden he was caring for. And uh, he, he had observed how he worked hard and how he uh, dealt with his, dealt with his uh, team. And he offered to invest in him. He wanted to start a company. And so they started a business together. Uh, again, he immediately went to ask for advice from other business owners. He studied hard in the evenings uh, how to run a successful business and so on. After a while, he was in a position to, uh, to bring on a few employees. He paid them well, and in response, they worked hard for him and respected him, and the business went from strength to strength. The investment banker was, was not a Christian. He has no fear of the Lord. Uh, he had no time for the Lord, really. He was well-educated and well-connected, and uh, he actually got this job through, through a family friend. He was well known for enjoying the finer things in life, fine wine, good food. He would often drag himself in late to work and just flop in his chair. He was very well paid. He spent a good deal uh, of time on the internet thinking of ways he could spend his bonus. Uh, he was easily sidetracked by, by YouTube and Instagram. After a while, the accounts he was looking after began to plateau and then dip. And his friend then stopped giving him new Uh, clients for his portfolio after a while his place at the company became untenable untenable and he was asked to leave he had to sell his car he had to move back to his parents home because he couldn't afford uh, his flat and uh, is now sleeping late in the bedroom he grew up in those are just i mean those are just examples right one fearing the lord and living with the grain of this world working hard planning the results are good one not fearing the Lord and and lazy, right? Living against the grain of this world. The results are not good. So where's the place to start? Well, you know the place to start is with the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And did you notice at the end of chapter 31, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. If you want to live with the grain of this world, you have to get God right. He's your creator. He's your sustainer. You are nothing without him. So live humbly under him turn and trust in his king jesus Um, if you don't if you don't fear the lord you will probably make one of two mistakes when it comes to work you'll either think too little of work or or you'll think too much of work so if you think too little of it you'll you'll be thinking like the world the value of work is only really found in the salary just it's just something you do for money and so the temptation is to work as little as possible and to get away with as much as possible you know i'm i'm just a road sweeper or i'm just this or i'm just that when you get God right, you'll understand your place in God's world as a worker, that actually God loves what you're doing. 
He loves that you're providing for your family, okay, that's good. But he also loves the work you're doing because, because when you're working hard and honestly, whether you're getting paid for it or not, you're adding value to his world, right? You're working with the grain of his world the way he designed it to be. If you're struggling to work, if you're struggling to work hard, uh, to be motivated, if, if elements of the sluggard are creeping in, whether you have a job or not, you need to have a bigger reason to work and to be active, not just salary or just something you have to do. Paul says, work as if you're working for the Lord. He is the boss behind the boss because you're living in line with his world. So I, I don't want to say be encouraged, right? But if you're thinking too little of work, be encouraged. God loves what you're doing. But at the same time, don't think too much of work. If you don't fear the Lord, if, if he's not your Lord and Savior, it's possible that work will be your Lord and Savior. You're actually living for work, the money and the status and the and security perhaps that work brings. Work has control over you. But if you do fear the Lord, you'll know you're not saved by being a hard worker. You're not saved by being successful in, in business or having an important job. Work is not your savior. Jesus is your savior. He did all of the work necessary for you to be friends with God. So rest in that. You're not saved by your hard work, but you are saved for hard work. Uh, and that's what we've been saying. Not saved by hard work, but saved for hard work. Um, there's, there's a foolish way to work, uh, which doesn't work. And um, it goes against the grain of God's world. And there's a wise way to work, hard work, benefiting others, um, honestly, skillfully. And that, that is a wise way to work. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's, that's the place to start. If you don't fear the Lord, you'll think too much of work or too little of work. Uh, but fear the Lord. He's your creator, your sustainer, and uh, you're nothing without him. Let's, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for the way that you have set up the world and the way that you've told us how the world works in the book of Proverbs. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in line with your world, help us to run with the grain of, of your world. And for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Great to be with you.